Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey, and joining me this afternoon, uh, I've got a friend from high school um, who uh, I met um, because we did snowball together. We were in youth group together. We had broadcasting together. Um, you know, uh, he's always been a very passionate man uh, ever since I've known him, and uh, he's now at uh, Director of ANR for K Management in LA. Um, he's got a, you know, he, he's he's had quite a journey to get to where he is. So I'm excited to talk to him about what he does and why he does it. Mm -hmm. Johnny Jaffe, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me, Ben. I love the story. We go way back. It's really funny. It's weird that we're kind of at the age too, where you can say like, God, what has it been? Ten years, or like something like that. You know what I mean? And it's like kind of realistic. But yeah, happy to be here. Thank you for yeah. Talking. You bet, dude. I When I saw you were, like, doing this kind of work, I was just, like, really intrigued because mm -hmm. of how I, you know, like, how I knew you, like, when you went off to college yeah. and what, you know, your passions were back then. And we're going we're, we're gonna to get into all that. But first, yeah. Johnny, start, let's start with a simple question. How was your day today? <laughs> today has been okay. Um, I... I have a client in town, a new client who's just turned 19 years old, um, has a really big following on TikTok, but no original music out yet. And he has been in LA with me for like 10 days or something like that, or seven days, I'm not even sure. Um, but I've just been running around like crazy, working on the, um, the music and, and just doing a lot of stuff. And he's kind of made me feel like a kid again. So I've been going to bed pretty late for quite some time now um so i'm just chilling and had a nice morning trying to catch up on some things and get my get my week going oh yeah that's a solid monday there yeah. you go yeah yeah i as well this your episode two of three today so um mm -hmm. busy day for myself as well yeah. um and yeah that's that's something that hasn't changed you and i just uh mm -hmm. we don't we don't we don't we're we're not really good at like chilling out you totally. know like Constantly. No, even if I want to, I feel like I've gotten a little bit better as they've gotten older, but no, I, I very wired people. Um, I love that you said though, cause like it's totally an interesting way. And then I'll let you ask your questions cause I don't want to like segue the interview. But um, when you say like based off of how you knew me when I went to college and stuff, I love that. And I think it's really interesting because I always think it's like, you know, when I talk to people from high school or when I talk to people from before high school or just with people who knew me up until college, it's like, does what I'm doing make sense to them? And some people in certain ways say yes, and some people say no. But what I laugh is like, if I take a step back and look at my whole life, and I really look at the story, but like beneath the story, it makes total sense to me. I think the reason why it isn't like super, you know, forwardly out there was because, you know, I suppressed it as a big part of me. But a lot of the personality and stuff I showed, like it ties in. And I even go back and look too. And like, my mom right now is going through a bunch of like our old photo albums and like scanning them into the computer and stuff. And so I've just been getting sent like pictures regularly for the past few months. You know, no one else in my family like has the same sort of thing. Like every picture of Brian, my, my older brother, like has like a football or basketball in his hand or every video, or whatever, even though I couldn't do it, every single picture of me as a little kid was like with a guitar in my hand or with like a microphone yeah. or something. You know what I mean? Like from a very, very young age, so when I was older, it was always a part of me. It just, I think at different times, it wasn't necessarily on the surface. And that's why it might seem like, you know, a little weird. Yeah, I remember when we had, that's funny you say it, because I remember when we had Barney Ross events at your house, like yeah. your, like your bar mitzvah pictures were like in the basement. And right. 
yeah, you, you had a guitar as like a seventh grader. And uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of like um, looking at that now, it's like that ended up kind of being a little Easter egg. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, so Johnny, that's too. like my mom was the one who like planned my bar mitzvah and the theme and stuff. And like when I, when I got to 13 years old, I was obsessed with sports. My brother just played them, but didn't really care. It's like, we should have switched themes. His was like Brian sports bar and grill, but it's because my mom knew me when I was a baby that she was collecting all this stuff. And that's how it became this like rock and roll guitar theme. But it, it is like an Easter egg because like, look what happened, you know, 10, 10, 12 years later, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. So, so Johnny, that's a good, that's, that is a good segue into, um, into what, we talk so what we talk about in Mr. Nice Guy, we talk love and fear, passion and creativity. Mm-hmm. And um we first talked about doing this interview like back when um I like I had I, I interviewed some folks from back home when like I was home yeah. for the holidays, but you know, because of COVID, like I moved the show over to Zoom and now I can talk to people all over the country, which is kind of a silver lining. And uh, I love reconnecting with old friends uh last week i just had dot on the show actually um and we just had some beers and caught up and it was great to hear from him and uh especially those that are just in completely different environments than you know where the in which like we knew each other by context you know like we grew up in a suburb of chicago but now i live in milwaukee wisconsin you live in l.a um and yeah it's just, it's a, it's exciting to hear like with you know just how things sort of took off for you like when we last where we last left off so that's a good place to start johnny so you you had, you mentioned that like you know you would always kind of had it in the back of your mind yeah to you know pursue music to in it, to, to some degree so right. when you were younger like what did you, what did you like feel like, did you want to, did you always have your mind set on something that you wanted to be when you grew up or did you go with your phases? I definitely had like phases, but I think now looking back, it was always one major thing. Um, I think, and I'll like, you know, I can definitely talk a lot. I can ramble. There's millions of stories. I'll try to like, you know, veer off when I can, but um, I think that everything I've ever been good at and everything I continue to be good at has the ability to me being good with words and being a good writer and being a good talker and being a good storyteller and being able to get stories out of people. Like I've, I've always been good with words. And um, I think that that was evident from when I was really little. And so obviously the big thing is like people knew me as from a teenager onward was like, I was really into broadcasting and journalism and storytelling and sports broadcasting. And I went to college, I majored in broadcast journalism. Like, you know, my ambition was why I ended up getting all those internships with like Comcast Sportsnet, now NBC Sports, like twice, like Yahoo Sports, ESPN Radio. Like, I think who I was as a person is why I got those things and did those things. But I don't necessarily think it was ever like, you know, I really want to be a reporter. I have a passion for media. It was never really like that. Like, I, I love sports. I loved you know, the fact that I could tell stories and get stories. I love that it opened doors and opportunities for me to go into professional locker rooms and and this and that. And I think, you know, now it's like, I look at media and all this and that, especially sports reporting and all the egos in it. And it's like, I have like a 0% desire to do that. But the reasons I liked it, you know, too, I think, um, I think that I always wanted to be in entertainment in some way. And 
being able to be on camera and, and do that sort of kind of thing was like my little way of, I was still kind of famous. You know what I mean? Like I held, I had that potential to be famous and, and now like, that's not my motivation or my goal. But of course, like a lot of people, it's like the idea of being in the spotlight, um, is always an enticing one. So like from a young age, like I was a very center of attention kind of kid personality. Like I was the lead role in every play I was ever in kind of thing. Like, and I knew I would get it. Cause it's just like, for some reason when I was little, like I just, I knew that'd be a thing. Um, but I think, I think a big thing that I've learned and it, and it kind of tells the story really well is that you're, you're a huge product of your environment and, um, and like the opportunities that exist at that time. And, and then through those experiences, as you get older and you fail and you learn, it's like, then you get on the right path. So like I was talking to my buddy Jaden the other day. Um, he's from Australia. He is in a band right now. It's, it's predominantly a pop punk band that does really well, like 600,000 monthly listeners. They toured the world, but he also writes and produces. Um, he is not someone who like loves pop punk as music. He literally just, when he was younger, he was a singer. The friends that he had wanted to start a band and they needed a singer. And by literally sheer circumstance, he joined a band that got signed and toured the world in pop punk. But when he writes and produces, he's not making that type of music. And it's like, yeah, this is what I actually like. I just happen to be in it. Illinois, growing up at HF, and they had this crazy broadcasting program that was really about like, not just journalism, but like becoming better people and stuff. I happened to be a good storyteller where like, that was my path. It made sense. I saw the people that went through it before and I wanted to be them. You know, but it wasn't always just like Chuck Garfine, Ben Bradley, like Lawrence Holmes. It was also Andrew Gertler, who was the station manager who manages Sean Mendez. You know what I mean? So it's right. like there's lots of people that came out of it um, and did different things. I'll try to wrap up that part because, like I said, I can ramble forever. But like basically, I think that, you know, I always wanted to tell stories. I always wanted to write songs. I always did that stuff from when I was really little. But I just happened to go to a school where the broadcasting program was the thing. I was really good at it. I wanted to do that in college. And towards the end of college, I kind of like lost that passion. And, and I'll let you ask like another question or two, because like I can tell more of the story. But um, yeah, I mean, like, I think that I definitely for a while had the dream of becoming this big sports reporter and this and that. But now like being older and like being 25, like I look back and I know that like the reasons I had that dream were different. Um, I wasn't meant to be doing that long term. Like, I, I just don't think that I was. Yeah, yeah. I... I love what you said about how broadcasting really shaped us as better and more, more well-rounded people. Um, Cause I, I, you know, I was kind of similar to you too. You know, I was also kind of a center of attention sort of kid. You know, I was a class clown. I didn't have much um, patience for school. Like I was, I acted out as a way to like, you know, to, just to make things interesting. And, uh, you know, we had Ski. And Ski, like, was, you know, he was a very no-nonsense teacher that really, like, made me, like, sit the fuck down and, uh, you know, like, get my work done. Otherwise, like, I won't be, like, moving forward in the program. And But then at the same time, like, that gets juxtaposed with Comstock and his very nurturing approach to yeah, his students open and free and you could do whatever yeah 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 big love to Comstock and the doc was you know still like Dodd and I were actually talking about this last week and about how like the the, the doc itself was an experience that felt like 
it made the broadcasting uh, program feel so much more familial to yeah. you because like everyone is learning what goes into um, crafting a masterful project that tells a vibrant and vivid yeah, story. story. Yeah, exactly. And, and like, you know, I, it, it did teach me to like, stop, you know, to, to kind of like, you know, not be to, you know, I could still be like, you know, goofy and eccentric and, and right. um, do the things that like, you know, uh, interact with the parts of, of broadcasting that I liked, but in a way that, you know, where I was also building skills where you also kind of build somewhat of a brand, like a yeah. pseudo, a pseudo brand. Totally. Yourself, you can really like make yourself like a public person and like you're you're kind of like coming to your own um i think the doc is a really good example too it's like i'm always a big person i'm working on it where like i sometimes like feel the need to justify things even though like i believe them but i'll like explain it like i really because i'm a convincing type person but the doc taught me a couple of things um first of all like i joke but i also have don't joke when i say like i'm not that hard of a worker like I'm, I think I'm really smart in really specific ways to a point where like, I know how to get somewhere and I know how to talk and I know how to convince people of things. But at the end of the day, I just know that there are people who work way harder than me. And I don't want to make that seem like, oh, I don't work hard and I fell into this. That can sound like entitled or pretentious because like, obviously I worked hard, but um, you know, from a very young age, like I had ADHD, like I was on medicine for it. I was diagnosed. I never fully understood it until a couple of years ago when you know, someone described ADHD in one sentence as like, you can really only pay attention to something you care about. And I was like, that's me to a T. And so what the doc did for me, right? And it, and it can be applied now. Comstock, when I was like explaining um, why I wanted to do this doc to him and what the idea was, we had just met, like really just met. This was like sophomore year of high school. And I had this whole idea. My doc was actually like how to, I don't remember the name, but it was like how to be successful in media. And I interviewed Chuck Garfine, Scott uh, Rude, Lawrence Holmes, Ben Bradley, Tommy Dobrez's dad, Tom Dobrez. And I, I interviewed all these people that went through it, but I, there was a really specific reason why I did that. Um, I was like, I think this is what I want. And I think this is what I want to learn about. And I, I'm going to make a decision that's going to help me in 10 different ways. And so I was explaining what I wanted to do for it. And Comstock said the sentence, and I'll never forget. He was like, you strike me as an unusually intelligent individual. Cause I was like this sophomore who like, I was taking it way too seriously compared to everyone else. But um, I always kind of knew what I wanted, I thought. And I'm glad I, I had those feelings going into it. So like, like I said, I saw the program in going into high school. I knew what it did for people. So I was like, that's going to be me. And I was always good at writing. So it's like, whatever. Um, I went to a White Sox game, I think in like eighth grade. And I, I, I knew who Chuck Garfine was. I looked up to him a ton and I just like called him over. I was stood by the dugout like Chuck. And I was like, hey, like I'm going to HF next year. Like I, I really want to be in the program. Like yada, yada, yada. I think I got his email. And, um, and I think I might've even said, or I emailed him afterwards and said, you know, I don't know what I want to do for my doc yet, but like, I would love to interview you. I just like said that eighth grade, maybe even like seventh grade. And I said to him, you know, I want to work at Comcast Sportsnet one day. Like I just had that whatever. Um, and I eventually, you know, went, I, I, my mom actually won a tour of CSN in, in an auction. And so I went and I like thanked him again and I emailed him again afterwards. And I was like, Hey, like, I still would love to do this. I think this might've been a couple years later in sophomore year. So everything I do now, and that's why I'm telling this story, I realized was like the, the documentary taught me 
that I am capable of working my ass off on something if I care about it. And, and I, I, I like literally like worked out harder on that than I have for anything else to that point in my life. And it also like, I'm looking back and realizing how, how like weird my brain works in a way where it's like, once people trust me and believe in me, they kind of have to get out of the way and like, let me do what I want to do and need to do. And then I ask for help when I need it. Cause I'm not someone who like doesn't ask for help in general. Um, the, the doc is a great example of that. I didn't just say, oh, I'm, I want to make a documentary about this. I was like, this is my goal five years from now. So how can I make a decision that's going to help me in seven different ways? And, you know, I built those connections with those people. And so like that doc was a big thing for me looking back um, without a doubt. So that's my first side story. <laughs> I forgot what else we were talking about. I actually, um, I recently found I'm ADHD as well. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I've learned this concept of being ADHD is, there's the, you know, the, the, the deficit in focusing on stuff. And I mean, that explains like why I could never focus on all the school subjects that didn't appeal to me, but there's also the concept of being hyper-focused right. and getting so invested in right. um, what, in some, something you're passionate about or something that does really like stimulate you. And the doc is a really, that's, that the doc is a great example. And I think broadcasting in general was just stimulating for me and my personality and just the way I'm wired and probably for you too. Totally. in such a way where you, it, it, you didn't find any other outlet back then when you were just kind of like a quirky kid, still kind of trying to understand like, you know, exactly. what direction you're going. Yeah. I think it was just like, for me, it was always about telling stories and, and being ambitious and like, I've always been like pretty much everything I've ever been good at was like, I feel like it's because someone told me I couldn't or was, wouldn't. And um, I was always like that. And I'm, I'm extremely internally competitive. Like I'm like not the most outwardly competitive person you'll meet. Like it comes out sometimes, but like, you know, if I was ever in a situation and it's a weird example, but like where I liked a girl and so did a friend, like I would never ever compete for it. I would just back off. Cause I don't, I don't want to deal with that stuff. I like not confrontational, but internally, like, the worst thing a decision someone can make is to tell me I can't do something because I'll do it. Like, and that's, you know, and like, if I want to, um, and yeah, I mean, just, I just think in general, like you're a product of your environment and I was supposed to go through everything I went through because it led to a lot. I think that's like a good segue to like, you know, my story. Yeah. So to speak. Um, yeah, go ahead. Honestly. Yeah. Please share. Please yeah, share. I, th I think that like, you know, I always say, um, I'm, I'm a short white Jewish kid that grew up in the South suburbs of Chicago where the high school was 70% black. And, you know, I may have thought at times like, you know, should I have grown up in Deerfield? Should I have grown up in Highland Park? Like one of those sort of North suburb towns where a lot of my friends from college were, and it's just like, would I have more success socially and this and that? Like I was always a popular kid, but I was like the runt of the litter. You know what I mean? And um, I think that your environment. And like I said, the opportunities shape you so much. So like, I think the skill sets I have are always there. Like I have a book, like literally it's in my desk right now. It's like this little red book. It's all torn up. I don't know if you can see it well. Um, but it says like John's songs on it or John. Yeah. John's lyrics. And like, you can oh, yeah. tell this is from like, you know, 2000 and like one, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. But I kept it because like, for whatever reason, from a very early age, like I was writing songs, I was messing around. They were terrible, but like, I was just always doing that. And you know, I started freestyling a lot and, and just like, I was very like, you know, influenced by my, the culture I was around. Right. And like hip hop and rap and all that community. But like my dad grew up playing classical music. Like there's no one in my family really did music, immediate family, but it's kind of there. Right. So like 
my dad's sister um, went to Juilliard and was a professional piano player and, right. and like toured the world and did that. My dad played classical violin, but his dad wanted him to be a doctor instead, so he gave that up. My sister taught herself piano by ear and I taught myself guitar by ear. So it's like, it's there, but like my love of music came from my mom. So like my dad raised me on older music, like Beatles sort of kind of stuff. My mom raised me on like Crosby, Stills and Nash and all these old music. And then she got really into country, but like I went to HF. So I was listening to complete other sides of that stuff. You know what I mean? So I grew up listening to a lot of different types of music and getting along with a lot of different types of people where I wouldn't have had that, you know, experience. And honestly, like leg up had I not grown up there. So like we, we talked about broadcasting and that was just an environment thing. So I went to college. I knew I wanted to go to Illinois um, and I majored in broadcast journalism. It was one of those things where, you know, towards the end of, uh, I think, I think what's important too is, is like, I, I, I was very ambitious, like I said. So like when I set a goal, I do everything in my power to get to that goal. So the goal was journalism, sports reporting. I want to work at Comcast. Great. I got that. What's next? So I was always doing that. Um, until I went abroad and I studied in London, I like was teaching myself guitar like for a little bit shortly before that. Um, and I started writing music again and it was really cool. But, you know, I was very protective over it. Didn't really do anything crazy. Um, I went to London, was able to take a step away from all the journalism stuff for the first time, like in a long time, because I was just taking classes to get credits. I wasn't taking, I wasn't doing anything related to it. Um, I didn't bring a guitar at first and I didn't realize how important it was going to be to me and how much I would miss it. So I ended up ordering this, uh, like a, a, a guitar, a ukulele sized guitar. So like a gitalele. And I just started writing in London and I started writing a ton and I realized it was really important to me to a point where this was in 2016. I didn't really know what it meant or what I wanted, but I made a note in my computer. Um, and I put this on my Instagram at one point too. So a lot of people have seen it, but like I literally wrote a note in my computer that says like April 16th, 2016, the day I decided to take it seriously. And I had no idea what that meant, but I knew that like, I wanted to trust myself that it, that it was important to me. So basically just was like secretly writing music from then until the end of college. Um, I even like went to a recording studio sometimes in Chicago and like tried to record stuff. And like, you know, I didn't tell anyone, no one, people thought I was studying when realistically I was, I was driving from Champaign to Chicago at night and no one had any idea, you know, like it was always a thing. Um, skipping forward to like, I think I had the, um, I had like the same sort of like quarter life crisis that a lot of people have just way earlier on. And I, and I like broke down to my mom. I kind of explained very loosely that I've been writing music and I don't know what I want to do. And I, I feel like maybe I should look in LA and I don't know, but like, this was like a couple months before I graduated, but I was like, I don't want to do journalism. Like I'm not passionate about it. I know it's not what I want in my heart. Um, and you know, for the type of personality I was, I would have had to work in Iowa or something for seven years to maybe get to Chicago. And I, I don't belong in a small town like that. You know what I mean? Um, you talk about like, what was your dream always? And like, what was it always phases? Like when I was really little, like we, my parents, like we just thought that I was going to be like the next Jimmy Kimmel or like something like that, like something in that sort of kind of lane. So it was always the idea that like I could have been in entertainment. And I had always told people throughout my life at random points, whether it was Comstock or like even my driver's ed teacher said something that stuck with me but they were like, you know, I'm going to be hearing about you at some point. Like, and I don't know, like, I just had a lot of things that pushed me in that direction. I have a, I have a, um, a weirdly specific fortune cookie I got in like 2012 that says like, you will make a name for yourself in the field of entertainment. And I put it on my bulletin board, super weird stuff. So anyway, I, um, I was at the end of college. I realized I didn't want to do journalism. And I was also like dating a girl that like I was in love with, like thought I wanted to marry kind of sort of thing. And 
I really just wanted to live the normal life. It was like half me wanting to do something bigger and different and half wanting to live the normal life in Chicago and, and just experience that. Um, and so the next logical step I think was like PR because it was like I, storytelling, knowing media, like I just, you know, it just made a lot of sense. So I got a job in PR and I was living that life. You know, I was dating a girl, hanging out with my friends. You know, I liked my job at first, but of course, as things do, like they always fall apart. Um, and I started getting really unhappy. And I think like ADHD too is like, and just passionate people in general, like it's very polar end of the spectrum, right? Like it's very, you know, all or nothing one way or the other. Um, and so I pretty much just got to a point where I wasn't happy and he did take a step back and look, um, again, everything happening for a reason. Thankfully, um, I met a bunch of really great people abroad who happened to go to USC. So the first time I ever went to LA was when I was visiting them. Um, and my first day that I was there, I went to Jimmy Kimmel Live. And like, I've told a bunch of people this story, but it's like, you know, they were using the warm up guy before the show started and they were just like interacting with the audience. And they're like, does anybody have any talent? Anyone want to come up here? And like my friend jokingly raised my hand. Short version of the story, I go on stage. Um, I sing Love Yourself by Justin Bieber to like be it as a joke. And like the band starts playing with me and I'm like serenading like Jimmy Kimmel's warm up guy and like spinning him around the stage in front of the whole audience um, and, and just a bunch of other little funny things. And so at the end of the show, they're like, we have to name like a king or queen, like blah, 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 blah. And I won. And so they brought me on stage and I got a crown that says King of Kimmel. I got a t-shirt and like a $250 like Fitbit Blaze, something like, but it was really cool. And that was one of my first times where like I really put myself out there and like did something that I knew I would be good at, but like, you know what I mean? And so I remember thinking out loud at that time, um, could I see myself in LA? And I literally said no, but I would if I had to. And I think that's exactly what ended up happening years later. And so after college, um, I was doing everything I told you. And one of my best friends that I met abroad uh, was in law school studying to be a music lawyer. So this girl is like my best friend as a friend. She was the one who talked me through my breakup and all this and that. She lived in New York. And so I could talk to her so that I didn't push it too much on my other friends. But it just so happened she knew really me really well and was studying to be a music lawyer. And she was the first person who said like, Joff, like you could go into the music industry. Like you could make this a thing. And I didn't believe it at the time. You know what I mean? Like I really didn't. And it kind of started as like an accident or like a joke even. Um, but she just like said, you should read this book. Um, and I encourage everyone who's in music or entertainment to read it. It's called everything you need to know about the music industry by Donald Passman. And um, yeah. And she was like, I feel like you would like A&R. And so basically, because I know that's a long story, I was like reading about A&R and all A&R is, is like art artist development. You know, you oversee the artistic development of artists. So like you are the one who scouts the talent. You're the one who, you know, signs them, puts them in the room with a specific writer or producer. And, you know, you critique the melody, the structure, the lyrics of the song and, and stuff like that. And you really just like piece together the whole brand creatively. When I read about it, I was like, I feel like this is the perfect combination of everything I know how to do with everything I want to do, right? And like, I was like, I know how to tell a story. I know how to build a brand. I've worked in PR. I built my own brand being like really versatile in college. Wasn't just like an anchor. I was like, I wrote for the newspaper. I wrote for TV. I produced, I anchored, I did field reporting. You know what I mean? I, I was always doing a little bit of everything, always. Because my biggest fear is not being able to do something. And so, yeah. you know what I mean? And so, yeah, I my best friend luckily pointed me in the right direction. And I, um, 
once I got to the point in Chicago where like, I really wasn't happy to the point where like, you know, I wasn't even sure if I wanted to be here anymore, kind of sort of thing. Um, and I think people talk about mental health stuff. It's really important because I don't think people always understand. Like if you say something like you were suicidal or like whatever it might be, it's not like you actively want to kill yourself kind of thing. It's more along the lines of like, you are going through so much pain that you, you just don't want to be alive anymore. You know what I mean? And, um, and I was at that point and like, I, when I finally realized that I took some time off work, my full-time job, I ended up quitting my full-time job and took an unpaid internship doing like radio promotion and artist consultation in Chicago. And like, literally it's another example. It was the same thing as broadcasting. I looked at Chuck Garfine, a Jewish kid from Flossmore who went on to do really cool things. And I used his path to kind of guide me when that's what I thought I wanted to do. I immediately talked to Andrew Gertler and got some advice. I saw that he was a kid from exactly where I'm from and he's doing it. He's not an A&R, but he does similar things and management and, you know, it's obviously been a part of it. Um, and he had A&R internships. I literally went on his LinkedIn, saw what his first internship was. And I said, okay, that's what I'm going to do. And I called them and I interviewed and I worked and I got it. I just followed him. You know what I mean? And then from there, like I said, like I'm the type of person where if I set a goal, um, I'm going to do it. Like, that's just like really the kind of person I am. And so I started from scratch and I rebuilt and I grinded and I grinded and I told my story and I was transparent. And like, you know, uh, I think that's like a good place to stop because there's lots of more stuff, you know, after that. But point being was, is like, ever since I was little, I had always been doing something with it. I just didn't know what it meant at the time, you know? So like, I needed to go through a lot of stuff to realize, like, I'm not doing this because I want to, I really feel like I'm doing this because I have to, you know? Um, and when you get to that point, I think it's a lot harder to be stopped. And so, yeah, I, I fell into the music industry kind of on accident, but like I now looking back, it's like hundred percent what I should have been doing, but I, I would not change my path. Like I would not have studied something other than journalism or gone into PR because like, that's the kind of stuff that like projected me into this. You know what I mean? So I needed that, but that, that was my long version of the, of yeah, the no, uh, take a breath, Johnny, um, man. Well, thank you for sharing all that. Um, thank you. Like I, I'm, I mean, I'm really happy for you and I, I do want to, um, a couple things to, uh, to, uh, take out of that. Um, first and foremost, yeah, I, I think the way like, um, you know, you kind of described yourself at the beginning is like, you know, you always like sort of perceived yourself as an entertainer in yeah. the spaces you occupied and uh, you, you're absolutely right, Johnny. Like, ever since we've been friends, that's sort of the role you've always taken on, like, in, like, w like whether it was in youth group or in snowball, like, in broadcasting, like, but yeah. you do it in such a way that, like, and that's something I really admire about you, is that, like, you still, like, even though, like, you know, you love being an entertainer, you still, like, you still acknowledge everyone around you in the room, yeah. and you still, like, you know, you still have like a genuine interest in like other people and like what they do. And uh, I think that like, you know, that's just, that's a great quality to have, especially yeah. when you are, um, when you're at, when you've entered like the entertainment industry, because, you know, you, that's what it's all about is meeting people, learning about what they do, why they do what they do. And, uh, you know, seeing how you can learn. Yeah. From each other. And, and like, also, this is also a weirdly specific memory I have of you two. Mm -hmm. Do you remember when you won that iPad? Yes, and it's what's so weird is I was home, and 
this for three months recently and like I can't find it and I'm like I know I know I have this iPad I've cleaned out everything I'm like did I leave it at college like I have no idea where it is but yeah I was trying to talk to Tommy and them about that because I was like do you remember when I won an iPad senior year of high school yeah, yeah. so you were you won that iPad and I remember like it was like a, it was that like random like uh, it was like a raffle thing from yeah. TV and I remember other people that that won it too like everyone was kind of just like wow like no way like i can't wait to use this but i will never forget the way you articulated how you <laughs> the way you articulated yourself on vtv like when mm -hmm. when you want it you said i look forward to utilizing its capabilities mm -hmm. i remember that was the exact sentence you said and <laughs> I, I that's such a weirdly specific moment, but it's yeah. like you said you are always good with words like you always yeah. have like a really like you know it was had like a colorful way of like um driving and yeah ex expressing simple things and totally. that's also that's a big journalistic instinct i think totally yeah i think um like i said dude it always comes down to telling a story and i love thank you for the compliment about like acknowledging other people in the room i think like one of my biggest when i reflect on stuff like my biggest strength but also my biggest weakness is like i have always been ambitious to the point where i have been successful at what i do and when i do fail i'm really smart to like learn from it and not make the same mistake twice um, one of my favorite quotes ever, and I learned it like around the time I was working on my doc or some uh, project project for broadcasting program was there's no such thing as failure, just lessons learned on the road to success. I love that. Um, and so I was the kind of person and I still really am where like, what really like I, I'm very proud of like what I've done, but I'm more so proud of what it says about me, how I've done that. You know what I mean? I'm more proud of the person I am than like who I am. And, or like what I am. And um, I, but I've always, what's really made me happy is like, I'm happy about things that are going on in my life, but I don't think that that's what makes me happy. What makes me happy is like, you know, my relationships with people and like surrounding myself with good people and like showing people that I care, that I care about them and seeing that they care about me. Like that's always been a thing for me. And so it might look like at first glance because I talk a lot and like I do this and that, that like I could sometimes understand how I could come off as like self-centered but like, I don't think it I could be the, I think it's like the furthest thing off that you can describe me as. Right, right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause like, I'm, Cause I'm you really, have a lot to say. Yeah, exactly. Cause it's, I'm the type of person where like, I will talk for hours, but when I'm not with you, I will talk about you for hours. You know what I mean? And, right. and yeah. you up and lift you up. And like, so I think that recently in LA, you know, I've had the same thing. I laugh cause you know, I had a breakup in Chicago and this and that I've had breakups here too. I've had like two or three. And like, I, I always get so consumed with things like that. And like, all these other outside things. It's like, Oh my God, imagine how successful I could be if I just like didn't care about other people and like really focus on myself. And I think lately has been the first time in a long time that like I have really focused on myself. Whereas in the past, it was always just an ambition thing. Like, you know what I mean? Like I was doing it, but like I said, I don't think I worked that hard. Like, I think I just work smarter than a lot of people. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, like a, I have a lot of, um, I don't know if you get this too. I get a lot of imposter syndrome. Yeah. When I like, you know, I, I, I genuinely like, you know, I, I also constantly am in a, in a, I'm in a dilemma about myself and my output all the time because I never feel like I'm doing enough. And I always feel oh. like, you know, the other person is, you know, outdoing me or not necessarily even outdoing me, just that they're putting in more genuine or authentic work than i am but me like you know i just get yeah. to sit here on a podcast yeah, totally and hang out with you. you know yeah. <laughs> like it's hard to uh especially in management but in general as people and i see that in you too like 
you can never feel like you're doing enough. Um, yeah. I think the biggest lesson I've learned is like, um, you know, to go at my own pace. Um, I learned a lot about LA and what I'm doing and how I'm doing it very early on. I'm really fortunate for that. Um, but I realized that if I listen to everything outside of me, you know, all the outside people tell me what to do. And, you know, if you try to keep up, you're going to get swallowed alive. You have to do things at your own pace. Never pretend to talk about something where you don't know what you're talking about. Never be afraid to ask questions, but also like learn things and get smart to the point where you can talk about things to make yourself sound smart. It's like that weird balance, right? Um, but, you know, I, um, I get the idea of not feeling like you're doing enough. But for me, it's always like, I, like I said, that's my favorite quote that I said a minute or two ago. I like to fail so I can learn from it. So like not everyone knows that like I was planning on moving to LA. I got my internship. I worked, I came out here. I visited, I met with a bunch of people at labels and they're like, you should just move. You're going to get a job, but it's going to be easier to be in LA than it will be to be the kid who says I moved from Chicago. But before I ended up moving, I got a job. I was going to be the assistant to GEZ's manager and like work at his company and like be the right hand. And the real short version of the story is, is that I went to work my first day in LA and then I got fired. Like he just changed his mind. And so I, I woke up my second day in LA, my first night, and I had a job and I didn't have a job anymore. And a lot of people, I was in an Airbnb for a month and a half before I got my apartment. And a lot of people, you know, you know, said like, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to come home? Are you going to this and that? Like, it was never a trial for me. I wasn't upset that that happened. What I was upset about was that I made it super public that that's what I was doing and it didn't work out. And I learned my lesson to not get excited over every little thing because things are going to come up. And if I sat here and told you all the cool things that I've seen or done or talked about in two years in LA, it, you know, it could go on forever. But the, the amount of those that actually turned into something, it's very small. So like I learned those lessons really early on and I grinded and I realized a lot of the jobs I was interviewing for weren't what I was supposed to be doing or like, you know, I wasn't where I was supposed to be kind of thing. But um, yeah, I always get that feeling like you're, you're not doing enough. And I think the best way to like minimize your anxiety, I was saying this the other day is like, Try to align yourself with what you're truly supposed to be doing and who you're trying to should be around and, you know, the type of person you're supposed to be and the type of people you're supposed to be with. And I think that anxiety is going to go down a little bit. So the feeling of not feeling you're doing enough, I've gotten like help with that by just like going at my own speed. You know what I mean? Not letting anyone else dictate what I should or shouldn't be doing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, and since doing the podcast and, and sort of like, um, you know, just, um, really investing so much time and effort into it it ended up just becoming natural for me and i didn't think about anyone else or i didn't think about like you know anyone expecting anything because like like exactly what you just said like at the end of the day like you know it i just kind of like let go of like you know feeling like i had to prove myself to anyone because i'm in my own lane and i i believe I believe in my platform. I believe I make it authentic in a way that like only I know how to, but I still am constantly learning as well. You know, like, like uh, they say, like you're, you're forever a student to what you do and you absolutely are. So, um, and also I want the last thing about your, the, the, the long story that you shared was that I also similarly had, like you said that like, when you were a kid, you did something like kind of sporadically that would end up that you didn't know what it meant at the time, but it would end up in the long run. Being like um, a part of you. Yeah. yeah, being a being a manifestation. Like that was kind of how I felt about 
when I was younger, like, it was kind of like just a quirky habit, but I was really, really into making lists of things. Like, I really loved lists. Like, I'm, yeah. you remember, like, there's this, that, like, that kid's book, uh, The Book of Lists, and it was just yeah. a bunch of, like, fun, random, like, useless information, but it was, like, just lists of things, and yeah. I gravitated towards that format of consuming information a lot, and uh, I ended up, that ended up playing immensely in my favor once I began doing music journalism, and writing for a blog, and making sure we cover everything in the scene, oh, right. and, and having, and compartmentalizing what I'm going to publish on what day, as well as, like, how, like, who I'm interviewing, like, what what episodes I'm doing, what days, and like who I want to interview, like who's on my yeah. wish list, and that kind of, like the list making ended up becoming an essential component to what I did. Yeah, and just like the life. organizational skills that come with that, and like you know, being proactive and organizing what you want to do, it's like setting goals. Now that's awesome. I think um, I think everyone, I think not like every little thing, but big things happen for a reason. And so yeah, like I said, like that your path is you're you're where you're supposed to be. I feel the same thing about myself. Um, and you know, yeah, I also think it's funny cause it's like, of course I've always talked, but being in the broadcasting program and journalism, journalism in general is like, you can tell how much I've changed in the sense that like, I used to speak so specifically that I could give you a good sound bite or I can give you this good thing. Whereas now I'm just like, I don't fucking care. Like, I'm just talking, you know what I mean? You can do it. Right. You know what I mean? I, I'm a lot more casual. Like, I think, I think that you saw big parts of my personality, but in high school, before I really understood exactly what everything was, like I was taking 50 milligrams of Vyvanse every day by the end of high school, and it brings out a lot of ticks. It, it takes away my personality. A lot of people, it makes you wired to the point where you really want to talk. Me, it takes away my desire to talk, which is like a huge part of me, obviously. And so I don't think that a lot of people in high school truly saw my, the best parts of my personality during the day, unless they were really good friends with me outside of it. And, and because of, like I said, who I really am, Maybe I, maybe I wasn't in the exact right environment where that would bring the best part of it out. Like, I think, that I mean, there was a point in high school where I absolutely just fucking hated high school so much. And I dreaded being in that environment. I just wanted to just be home all the time. But being at Snowball was, it was a reality slip. And it, I felt a lot. I remember just feeling so alive, like, cause that was my first time going. I get the high school thing too, dude. Like I hated it at times. Like, I think for a long time, like I said, it was like, I should have gone here. I should have done this. I should have done that. But at the end of the day, I am who I am because of where I grew up and how I grew up. And, you know, I wouldn't change that. I wouldn't trade that. Um, I think high school is such an insignificant part of the grand scheme of your life. Like it shapes who you are in terms of like who you are and what you want to do and what you don't want to do. But in terms of like being successful in high school, it's like so small in the, in the big picture. Um, so it's like basically saying like your four years in high school and making sure that is good is not worth like if it makes you who you are and then it helps you later in life it's all good you know what i mean um right and i think it be, you know dude living in la being from chicago not being like another white jewish kid from the north shore i get along with so many people from so many different types of places like you could be like the hardest rapper ever and at first glance think that we wouldn't get along but we will because of where i'm from <laughs> you know what yeah, i mean right. so it, you pick it, up it, on it, the it, different it, cultural cues and stuff like that totally so i don't know I'm, I'm very happy for everything that happened and how it happened kind of thing. Um, and yeah, I mean, like, like I said, I'm happy to be here now doing what I'm doing. It's funny because like, we barely talked about music, you know what I mean? Cause we talk about all the broadcasting and other right. stuff. Well, that's, 
yeah, that, that is a good segue into the chapter of the present. So tell me about how you got involved with game management. Yeah, um, I think it's another big life lesson where, you know, you got to put yourself out there. You just got to connect with people. Your, your relationships with people are going to take you way further than anything else. Um, I, when I moved out here, um, before I moved out here, a month and a half before, like I said, I had meetings with a bunch of people that I had just been connected to through my internship in Chicago because a lot of people had, um, had gone through this similar internship program and done successful things. Um, I, when I first moved out to LA, like just knew, like my number one target for like a label or a publisher um, was APG, Artist Partner Groups, Artist Publishing Group. Um, big artists on the pop side are like Bozzy, Alec Benjamin, um, Charlie Puth, a lot of rap people as well. I knew I wanted to work there because all of my life signs were pushing me there. So like, you know, it just so happened that um, I started hanging out with Brenton Smith, Ohana Bam a little bit before I had moved and messing around with him and working with him. Um, and he was signed to APG. And like, I started talking to um, a friend of a friend, Jordan Levine, who's Bozzy's tour manager. Uh, and he connected me to Matt McFarland, who was at APG. And um, just like a bunch of series of other things, you know what I mean? Like, my, my internship emails me, oh, we have this interview coming up through a friend, but like it's with APG, would you want to interview there? And it was like, I had like 14 different things pointing me there. Um, and so like I worked and I worked that, the, the story, the version of that story, it doesn't need to be like the long one, but eventually I ended up interning at APG after interviewing with them several times. Um, and also like I came in second for a full-time job to be an assistant to one of the big guys there. Um, and I was the one who asked for an internship. So like, being able to make sacrifices, improve what you want, like improving yourself is a big part of it. But a couple months into APG, I like really was coming into my own and I feel like I was getting really accurate with what I was doing. And I just felt like I was getting better. Um, you know, I've, I've had so many interviews over the past two years and stuff when I was like looking for jobs and everything, but like 99.9% .9 of them came through people, not through me applying my resume ever. I got one interview with Disney that came through a resume, you know what I mean? And it never really went anywhere. Um, so basically halfway through APG, I, uh, I sent out emails to people I had connected with and one of which was one of the girls that I had met with before I had moved to LA. Um, and she is now the senior director, one of the senior directors of A&R for Interscope. So like one of the major labels, but I basically just checked in and said like, how are you doing? Like, here's where I'm at saying hi, you know, looking for jobs and stuff. And she sent my resume to her friend, Michael Kaminsky. Um, and it literally just started out where he emailed me cause he was intrigued and he's like, do you want to get coffee? And we just had coffee for um, a couple hours and, and really, really hit it off. Like you wouldn't hit it off with most people. And like, he was like, do you want to do some stuff together? I was like, sure. So a couple of days later, he invited me to shadow um, one of his clients at a meeting and I got lunch and, and literally by Monday, he offered me a job and he was like, I really like believe in what you're doing and like I can see it and like I'm, I'm being I'm always very transparent about my story to the point where like he could tell that I had went through stuff that I'm better now because of it and he like believed in me so I was interning at APG three days a week and he was like and I was managing Mickey on the side as well and he was like would you want to like kind of like be the A&R for this management company do some things part-time um for a few months and we'll see what happens later and I'm like sure and so I worked part-time for like four months um and when I was done with APG, we had a conversation and it literally was like, this is what I want to do. Like, here's my pitch and yada, yada, yada. And he's like, dope, let's do it. And so like, I went from essentially being like an A&R coordinator to the director of A&R for this company. Um, I went from managing Mickey 
and overseeing just Mickey to, you know, overseeing like 17 clients every day doing A&R for them. Um, I also am like, you know, our, our company is very like centered and historically in pop punk and pop rock, which is hilarious. Cause that's so not me. Like my boss's first client back in the day was 303. Like they were massive in the early 2000s. Like, you know what I mean? So he's really been there, done that. And a lot of people in those worlds, but because of the music I work in, you know, more pop, indie pop, singer, songwriter stuff and, and knowing how to work with the other stuff too. The goal was always to like to diversify the company, you know, have our writers and producers like show that they're more than just pop punk people, which they are. Um, and yeah. And so like, basically I just kind of fell into them on accident. That's what I'm trying to say. It's like, I've, I encourage people, like if you're looking for a job and stuff, like don't just like apply to jobs and don't ask for them, like check in with people, like make relationships. You know what I mean? Um, and, and always follow through and like thank people because like, so basically I just emailed someone who I met with 20 minutes an hour, a year and a half ago and it led to my full-time job. And so I eventually went back to Vanessa and I was like, Hey, like, I just want to thank you for the role in this story. You have no idea you're, you were a part of. Um, and like, she was one of the first people in that meeting before I had moved to LA that was like, you could move to LA, like, you know, you should just do it. And she kind of gave me that confidence. And then she took the time to send my email or my resume to someone when she didn't have to do that. And like, look what it led to for me, you know? So I kind of fell into them, uh, K management, not on accident, but like, it wasn't like I was trying to get a job. I was just trying to connect with people. And, um, and I think that's like a good way to go about it for sure. Totally. Awesome, man. That they say a DM can, is enough to change your life these days. And they're absolutely right when they say that, you know, yeah. it goes back to the connections and the establishing your network and doing maintenance on said network. Totally. Yeah. So you want to explain a little bit for those that don't know what you do as A&R? Yeah. Um, so like, first of all, um, usually it's like a label, right? There's a record label and record label sign artists, publishing companies sign songwriters. And usually they mix and match sometimes. Um, so mostly A&Rs would exist there and they're the people who scout the talent, sign them, and then oversee their artistic development. Me working at a management company, I think is kind of like the equivalent of like, instead of an agency going through a PR company, just bringing someone in house, you know what I mean? And so it's like, I got brought in, um, and it's a management company. So it's more like I oversee all of our people from an A&R standpoint. Um, and then if they're signed, they, they have an actual A&R and I work hand in hand with them. So it's like, I do aspects of management, which is self-explanatory, but I approach everything as an A&R. And um, I, it's really just putting the pieces together creatively. So like, you're not thinking about the business side of this and that. It's like, here's what I see for you. Here's who I think has potential. And once we get to that point, how do I, you know, reel them in, convince them to sign with us? Like, what can I share my vision to make sure that they, you know what I mean? Um, and uh, it's really just like finding the best story for them. What type of music should you be making? What type of music do you want to make? Where can I push you? But where can I make sure I'm not forcing you to do something you, you don't want to do or you wouldn't be good at it? So it's really just putting those pieces together. And so from there, it's like, who do I want you to work with? Which songwriters, which producers, for which reasons? And then along the way, you just like critique the melody, the structure, the lyrics of songs. Um, a lot of A&Rs were writers before, were artists before. Sometimes they weren't. But um, it's very much like 10 years from now, your, your A&R credentials is based off of who you've signed and what you've done. It's not like a, this is what I've done on paper. It's like very obvious if you're successful as an A&R because it's like, okay, so what have you done? Like, what have you overseen? So it's really just like overseeing the creative aspects of making music. Yeah, sure. Oh, oh. Um, so, um, yeah, I'd love to hear about some of the artists that you work with on, on that note. 
Yeah. Um, so I manage Mickey independently, but Mickey's non-binary. So I'll say they, if you get confused with the, the pronouns and stuff. Um, I, I work with Mickey a ton, um, but they're not technically a part of the company, but my two newest signings with the company, um, and it's more like trial basis, but everything's going well. Um, this girl, uh, Haley Joel, she's 20 years old. She, um, she co-wrote and featured on a song when she was in high school that like went to number one on the uh, dance charts. And like, she doesn't even like the song. I don't even really like it that much, but like anything she touches turns to gold and like, she's amazing. Um, and just working with her, building her up as a writer. Um, I, I signed a couple months ago, uh, this kid, he's the one who's in town with me. His name's Zach Hood. Um, he has like 816,000 TikTok followers. <laughs> um, no original music out yet, but like super, super talented. Um, and, you know, he has a cover on Spotify with like a little over half a million streams, but I'm not a big numbers guy in terms of like numbers don't mean everything. It's about like what kind of numbers and what do they say? So like Zach isn't really doing like, he's one of the funniest kids I've ever met, but like he's not doing TikTok and e-boy stuff. His haircut might look like, make you think that he's like one of those e-boys, but he really just sings. And so it's like, okay, people like him for his singing. Like if you look at an Instagram model and they have a bunch of followers, what do you think they're following you for? So it, you know what I mean? And so it's like with Zach, I like that people seem to like him for his singing and there's a lot of good numbers there. So we've just been working on the original music and, and getting things ready um, to show that like he's more than a TikToker. Um, my biggest goal with him is like, and he agrees, he wants to be an artist with influence, not an influencer that makes music. And that's a big goal down the line. Who knows, TikTok could have been gone a week ago, you know? Um, and then other than that, um, I really, I haven't been focusing too much on like my management company's uh, band's music itself. I've been working more with a lot of them, like in addition to their music, write and produce. So just like getting to know them, um, you know, putting them in the room with the right projects, uh, discovering them. A lot of them are just like really, really talented people. Like um, it's just about finding the right, what, what should we do? So, you know, you can look at all the artists. Like I said, there, there are people, a lot of people who have been on Warp Tour and like um, any, anything that sounds like 303, we've worked with it. You know what I mean? Like literally. Um, so musically, that's like where a lot of our clients are at. But on the writer producer side, like a lot of them are so good at working with pop and stuff. So like my biggest goal in the last like six months or so is, is like when I sign people, I never want to have two of the same thing. I try to make one decision for one person where it's going to help eight people. So like I've just kind of been focusing on instead of like specific projects, I've been focusing on like building out my ecosystem as a company. So it's like this writer could work really well with this person for this reason. Right. You know what I mean? Fostering, so yeah. Fostering a culture of like um, trust and like yeah. camaraderie between the artists and stuff. Yeah. Like. So just like getting everything together. And so like, you know, everyone's been really involved in the Zach music. Um, same thing. Like some have been working with Mickey on stuff and Haley and, you know, it's really like I, we're going to be involved in some pretty big things like going forward kind of thing, but it'll be more like, Oh, like that's, you know, it'll be funny a couple of years from now or whatever it is. It's like, Oh, that you were involved in that. Um, Cause we've, we've been that way for a while, but it's been more in like the pop punk space. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm working on like bringing things a little bit more into like mainstream pop music. Yeah. Awesome, man. That's dude. That's so cool to hear. Like um, this kind of like your vision, but for some of these artists, because like, I mean, at the end of the day, like, I mean, I, I, I experienced, um, well, there's two things. A is like, I, I experienced a similar, um, you know, a similar regard for artists where I don't always have to personally like connect with their music to like really see something in them. And like, you know, um, 
and resonate with like what they're trying to do and like who their music will appeal to and like you know why it's important that their messages are heard by listeners and audiences because you know at the end of the day it's like it's not about me you know my role is to connect the artists with the listeners as a music journalist and that's you know that's like I think that's really important like one thing I say to a lot of people too is is like I hear people say or like they hear what I'm doing they're like you know, I feel like I'd be really good at it for this. Like a lot of people will say, you know, I feel like I have really good taste in music. I'd be a good at A&R. And I'm like, that's not what A&R is about at all. It's about your ability to understand other people's taste in music, not right. my taste. There's plenty of things that I listen to that I like and I'm weird about it. I would never, you know, it's, it's totally a separate entity, you know? Totally, um, so yeah. It's just about understanding like a story. Like you said, you're connecting people to the music. I'm doing the same thing. Um, I'm just kind of like following the trends and this and that. Like, you know, if you ever hear someone say like, this person's great, they sound, they're just like Travis Scott. It's like, well, there already is a Travis Scott. So why would you want to work with someone who's just right. like Travis Scott? Yeah. I never, I never, whenever I'm describing someone's release, I, I never try to like, you know, compare them to an artist that's already big because they're yeah. trying to, you know, they're trying not to put themselves in a box and it's, you know, you don't want to like, be the next such and such. You want to be the first so-and-so. Yes, I mean? that's right. That's, a, yeah. that's exactly right, Johnny. Um, yeah. And then the second thing, and this goes full circle, is what you're doing for these artists and like how you are um, connecting them and fostering these interactions uh, amongst them is um, it's akin to the person you have always been, um, mm-hmm. which you were saying in high school, like, you know, you just loved like, you know, you just loved being entertaining and funny and quirky in a way that like makes people laugh and makes people feel comfortable. And, you know, you always like, you like to acknowledge people, like everyone in the room and make sure they feel like welcome around yeah. you. And like, that's exactly what you're doing, you know, with these artists is like, you are still, you know, you're, you're empathizing them in a way that like looks out for how they want to continue building on their artistry and put their feelings in their um and yeah i don't just try to like force someone one way or the other like i always share my vision but it's like my vision has to align with the vision they have for themselves you know right. they have to see that middle ground that balance like a lot of people say like oh you found one mickey this was a while ago before i had my job like why don't you just find 10 of them and it's like well first of all because i want to learn how to manage one person properly before i try to manage 10. And second of all, it's not like a try thing, like, oh, let's do it. And like, if it doesn't work in three months, we'll stop. It's like, it's kind of like a lifelong commitment to like, you're, you're putting these people's careers in your hands, whether you're managing or a and ring And it's like, you know, you got to make sure that that's the right fit, that you're taking them somewhere they want to go, where they can go. And it has to feel right, genuine and authentic. So yeah, I mean, like, just being able to put the pieces together in a room, you know what I mean? Feel out the vibe, be self-aware of what's going on. Like, I use that a lot, like every day with like my artists, you know what I mean? It's just like the things I learned how to do growing up and in college made me good at what I'm doing now. Like so much of it is instinct, honestly, but like knowing how to tell a story and all that. So I learned that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think that, yeah, similarly, like reading a room and picking up on cues is, you know, that is something that it's an instinct that you definitely pick up from being a journalist, you know, because I think you, the way you described it earlier in the interview was like how, um, you know, you, you have to tell, like, is there even a story there? You oh, know, yeah. like, is this worth, like, um, is it, is it worth, like, uh, 
Like, you can't force a brand. Like, it has to be organic. Like, so there's so many people who make good music and it sounds like this or it sounds like that. And I'm like, okay, but like, they're just like another white girl pop star and they have 2,000 followers on Instagram. Like, people ask me a lot of questions. How do you build this and that? I'm like, I have no idea how to get you 50,000 followers on Instagram. I do know how to take someone from 50,000 to 100, et cetera. I know how to help people take the next step. I have no idea how to build that following other than with like small ideas. Like I'm not good at taking someone from scratch and then building them the following because at the end of the day, the reason they have a following is because it was organic. You know what I mean? So like with Zach, Zach is starting from scratch on the original music. I can do that. But Zach has over 800,000 TikTok followers. <laughs> I didn't yeah. have to help him do that. You know what I mean? So it's like, if you're, if you're thinking too hard about branding and what I'm trying to do, then you're, you're doing the wrong thing already because it shouldn't be that hard of a thought. You know? Right. You, yeah. You shouldn't be, you shouldn't have the clout should never be guiding you whatsoever. You know, it's yeah. just all about like how you are bringing your own authentic ideas into a medium that can be conveyed to audiences in a way that they connect with. Right. They have to build stuff on their own to the point where like a lot of people too have no following and they'll be like, I'm looking for management in this. And I'm like, you don't need a manager. You need to build. Your right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You get to a point like a manager is not going to change your life. And, and, and there's also not enough money on the financial side to go around for the, it to be worth it for that manager or for you, <laughs> you know? So it's like, it's always about getting to a point where you're ready to take that next step. And that's where I come in or other people would come in. But um, yeah, you can't build a brand inorganically. It's about knowing whether a story's there. I can tell if someone's just another white girl pop star that is good at writing songs and should write songs for other people, but shouldn't be a star themselves. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, I mean, that's why like I just sit on, I had to kind of, uh, I had to shelf the idea of a podcast for a while because I didn't know what I was going to make it about in a way that was organic and unique to myself. You know, I can't just be, you know, any other like Joe Rogan wannabe or something like that. Like I had to, you know, I had to, um, you know, continue uh, building my um, experiences and, and uh, piece the piece set experiences together that would allow me to, you know, uh, make a conclusion of like this is what i want to do totally yeah so johnny um i guess the last question i really have for you is um yeah so uh you were talking a little bit about your goals right now and like kind of what your goals are for these artists and whatnot i mean Mm -hmm. there's a lot and this question's you know it it is a loaded one because this year has been so unprecedented but how has I guess like how has like, you know, the pandemic and, and quarantine and, you know, shutdowns and stuff like that, how has that sort of impacted your work or how has it made yeah. you go about it differently? I got, um, I got really lucky in the sense that like, I don't, as an A&R in my job job, like I don't really work directly in touring. So like if I was at an agency or they said I could have gotten laid off, you know, unless my artists are touring and I'm involved in it, it doesn't really affect me in that way. And the good thing is, is like, everyone's still making music and like there's no better time to write a song than when you're like stuck at home and you have nothing to do and so people are still making music the only difference is is that you know um you uh you have to be more creative about how you do it so it's like certain people don't always have the equipment it's like you a lot of writing sessions over zoom and talking over zoom and facetime and you send this here and so i've had to be more creative about how i'm getting things done but i've still been able to get things done and to be honest i've been more busy during quarantine not less. And I'm very fortunate for that. Um, yeah. yeah. But, um, I think that, you know, having an opportunity to be at home for three months and take a step back and stuff really makes you think about, you know, 
now that I was home in Chicago, do I, do I want to be in Chicago? Or do I want to be here? Just like getting to be able to, to look at all those things. And we wouldn't really have an opportunity to do that. Um, I think what I've realized is like, like I said, always been ambitious. So I know I will be successful, but my next like major goal in LA is really just like, I have friends. I've had people come and go. I've had relationships come and go, you know, I don't want to replace my best friends, but I want to have relationships in LA that I care about just as much when I leave LA than when I'm here. So my biggest goal is like, I want it to feel more like home. You know, the first year and a half, it's kind of a wash, even when I'm dating too. Right. Because it's like, I'm not the best version of myself. Like I'm, even though I believe in myself, it's really hard outwardly to be like, no, like I'm going to be really successful, even though I don't, didn't have a job yet, you know? So like, I feel like LA for me is just starting now, now that I have everything situated and settled. So like my next goal is really like, I want it to feel more like home. Like my apartment's great, but like, I want those lasting relationships to the point where like, I feel like I'm not always thinking, you know, if I could be in Chicago, I would be. Um, I, I'm, I've just, I've never been afraid to not be successful. So it's like, I don't worry about that. I do have some small goals, but like really honestly, my biggest goal is like to make LA feel more like home on the social side. That, that's what I'm focusing on, you know? That's good. That's, that's great. I mean, yeah. it comes with the, the internal um, and social maintenance that it comes with uh, totally. put, and moving yourself forward. So what, uh, what part of LA do you live in? Uh, hilarious. I live in a town called Pico Robertson, which is like actually like an Orthodox Jewish community. <laughs> yeah. And like, I didn't like mean for that to happen, but like, it's very central West. So I'm like five minutes from Beverly Hills like 10 minutes from West Hollywood, 20 minutes from Santa Monica. I'm very central West, which is where you want to be. But like, technically speaking, my neighborhood is Orthodox Jewish a lot. And like, it's very affordable rent because like people are anti-Semitic. So it like really worked out. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it um, yeah. It's called Pico Robertson. Nice. So, um, well, um, I, I do plan on uh, making a trip to LA at some yeah, point in the next year. I'm going to come see you. Yeah. We'll love that. Yeah. Um, Cause I, I'm kind of curious it's now, um, now, uh, three of our, uh, Barney Ross boys are living yeah, in LA now. That's out here. I haven't talked to him in a little while, but I'm been meaning to hit him up. And Aaron just moved out there too. Did you I know that? I haven't talked to him like at all about any of this. Oh yeah. Talk about TikTok. Boys. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I mean, I, I haven't actually really, I mean, I haven't experienced LA yet. So I had, I was going to plan a trip this year, but obviously with COVID and everything like that got put on a halt. So I'm hoping next year to experience the culture out there to see if it's something totally. that I could see myself a part of. Totally. Yeah. yeah. No, you're always welcome here and uh, always happy to share wisdom and impart it. Cause like I said, I've been up and I've been down. And so it's like fun to like be real with people out here, you know? Oh, yeah, dude. So those are closing out, Johnny. Um, yeah. My closing questions, I ask everyone, uh, what keeps you up at night? Um, just my brain in general. I'm like always thinking about things. Like I've always been that way. I've always had trouble sleeping. Um, it's just thinking about your dreams and girls and people you miss and whatever. Like there's no good answer because everything keeps me up at night. I'm always thinking about even like missing my dog, like stuff <laughs> like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. The flip side is what puts you to sleep. Um, I guess like handling things I need to take care of, you know, like I said, doing things the right way and not procrastinating too much. And just like by making good, smart decisions, like I think it takes a lot, a lot of anxiety away so that I can sleep, you know? Yeah, certainly. Just I, kind of scrolling at night, like scrolling through the too. feeds. I mean, that kind of tires my eyelids and that ends up. Totally. It ends up exhausting right. me. So 
Johnny, it was great to talk to you. Um, I mean, I'm just, I'm really proud of you for, you know, just responding to every situation in a way, you know, where you, you know, you always, you, you never gave up on anything in this whole journey. You know, yeah. you always just focused on how to respond to your feelings of, you know, adversity or yeah. hardships and stuff like you always focused on the response aspect of it and that totally. was the most crucial way for totally. you to navigate the situation and you did that and you you know you didn't look back and you uh you know built and fostered these relationships that got you in a really amazing um place and you're yeah. i think that how it's you know just uh it's been you know it's garnered you placement in the entertainment industry is just awesome and i'm very fortunate to you know have uh experienced the broadcasting and nhf with along with you because you know people really don't understand just how people from outside right. don't understand just how impactful that program and and how 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 impactful it is with like how it really like teaches you to embrace your you know your passions but also like you know embrace your flaws too in a way that really truly humbles you and oh. yeah man it was just great to catch up with you as always yeah. same with you dude i appreciate it and all the kind words and yeah let's let's keep grinding i'm super proud of you as well you know i see you on social media too really coming into your own and like i love people who are transparent about what they go through positively and negatively and how it shapes you you know there's people that might look at that and be like this is annoying or why are they doing it? But there's, I'm sure you know too, cause I've gotten, there's plenty, of, it helps plenty of people. People reach out and they ask for advice and they thank you and stuff. And so it's like, it might seem like a lot of people have this shit together, but like most people don't. So um, yeah, no, thank you for list, letting me talk oh, <laughs> and yeah. listening to me. And thank you to your listeners for listening to, eventually listening to me ramble as well. Yeah, totally, Johnny. I'll, I'll always let you talk. <laughs> for everyone uh, watching, um, I, I, I hope that you uh, took away um, some insights about navigating the industry, um, taking time to understand the industry and... Uh, yeah, this is some valuable stuff, and uh, I look forward to seeing how Johnny continues to enrich the artists he's involved with, and uh, yeah, just continue building his uh, his itinerary. So, thank you for watching, Mr. Nice Guy. See you next time. See ya. Love you, Ben. Bye. I love you.